This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, good morning and wait. Is that a familiar face I see on the other side of the studio? On the other side of a piece of plexiglass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, Charlie Dobbin, hi. Hey, Frankie. Good to see you in uh, real life. Yeah. Absolutely. Not just voice. Glancing out the window here uh, from our studios in Liberty Village, the Zoomerplex, uh, we see it's a beautiful morning. Gorgeous. Slightly on the chilly side, but as you were pointing out as we sat down to test our microphones, uh, this is the last weekend of the summer, really. That's right. And look, crisp and clear and blue and, uh, yeah, nice. very much of a chill in the air. However, honestly, if it was up to me, it'd be raining right now. Oh, oh, yeah. You need it for your grass seed. <laughs> I sure do. Yeah, out there. Maybe uh, we'll, just we'll talk to, a bit more yeah, about that in a, a minute. A little bit later. Let me go over some of the rules here that yes. we have to kind of follow along here mm-hmm. since we're going live to the phones First now. time in six months. I know. So here's the number that, folks, I want you to jot down. And when you have a moment to give us a call, that would be terrific. You can reach Charlie Dobbin here at Zoomer Radio by calling one 866 744740, okay? And, uh, oh, if you happen to be a first time caller, let us know, please. And Carlos will be passing that along to us. And the here, bell. The bell. We haven't first heard that in, six months in, in months. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, we owe and, a bunch of people bells from all those first-time emailers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, you had a busy day yesterday. You were at Durham College? Yeah, I'm, I'm back, it appears, to my similar routine I had last yeah. like last autumn. So, so Friday is a busy day. Though, <clears throat> it's interesting. Yesterday morning, 8 a.m., I uh-huh. conducted a virtual lecture with my students for three hours. We did take a little 15-minute break halfway, but... In my 15-minute break, not only did I grab a piece of toast, but I went out and <laughs> argued with the guys who are starting to pave my driveway. <laughs> so, in and out, in and out. Anyway, finished that lecture, uh, threw my toothbrush in a bag, and headed off to the college to have a in-person lab yeah. with the yeah. first-year students. And they're they're a pretty fun group. Um, we did some transplanting of herbs out of the garden. And one of them looks at me and she goes, you know, this is my funnest class so far. <laughs> my funnest class. My funnest class. And I thought, well, I I could like slap her for bad grammar or I could just, be, you know, enjoy the compliment. So I decided to just enjoy the compliment. <laughs> that drives me crazy. I know. When people do that. That's oh. what my dad was saying last night because, of course, I saw my dad last night. He's going, these broadcasters on TV, they, their grammar is so poor. And he's going on and on how people use words wrong. And so I told oh, him that yeah. story. <laughs> fun always requires a modifier. Mm. I had so yes. much fun. So Thank yes. you very much. Mm. Well, anyway, enough about that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you, you went to dinner with your dad. Where'd you take him? 
Well, we went to a place in North York called Paisano's. It's an Italian restaurant yeah. that he has been to in the past all by. It was just nice. It's nice to go someplace fairly simple. And what's great is, you know, my dad's a big guy and he's got a big walker. And, yeah. you know, with all the social distancing in the restaurants, it's great because there's room for him and his walker. And there's not oh, as many people. Yeah, so it's not time. as loud. Yeah. So it's oh, great. We, we did have fun. Okay. Just a wee reminder. We're going to take a break here shortly. Then we're going to go to the phone lines because we folks are calling in. But we have reserved a little bit of time on the show a little bit later on in one of the segments to answer some of your emails. That's proved to be a very popular feature mm. and one that I think Charlie kind of appreciates because folks send her, you know, uh, photographs and stuff like that and give you a chance to do a little uh, homework as opposed to a rent at the top of your noggin. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, let's do a little uh, break here and a reminder that you indeed are listening to The Garden Show starring Charlie Dobbin. I'm yeah. Frank Proctor and we'll return in moments here on Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, here we go. The lines have uh, been lighting up, and we appreciate that very much. (laughs) First of all, a big hello to John in Mississauga. Hiya, John. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, John. I've tried to email, but I'm not good at that stuff. I did a couple of times, as you know. But anyhow, I'll go back to, this, to the uh, question. Um, Charlie, I was very busy this summer. I built my son, um, uh, uh, what you call it, uh, a garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, not a garden, but uh, anyhow, a retaining wall, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. And I garden. put um, uh, shrubs, and I put a lot of perennials. Yeah. I lost a lot of perennials. Mm-hmm. It, it's brand new soil, brand new triple mix. I don't know whether we overwater them. I don't know whether we overfertilize them. I need your opinion, please, Charlie. All right. It, okay, just rule of thumb. <clears throat> brand new garden, brand new triple mix, quality soil, quality plants, no fertilizer the first year. Oh, shucks. Okay, so just everybody listen to that and write that down. Put, you know, put that in needlepoint up on the wall if necessary. Because remember, you know, the plants come with a certain amount of quality soil and a bit of a slow release fertilizer, usually right in the pot. Then your triple mix, if it's good quality, it's full of all kinds of nutrients. So let the plants settle in at their own pace. Don't try and push growth on plants when they like they aren't ready for it. Now, John, you know this was a crazy summer. Hot, dry, it was, it was, hot, yeah, dry. And raised garden beds can be more difficult to keep moist because they're not only mo- losing moisture by evaporation from the surface of the soil, but also from the sides of the planters. So whether it's a raised garden or even just a big container on a balcony, there's a lot of opportunity for loss of moisture. So it's, it is a bit hard to overwater, but it is possible. You know, we try not mm-hmm. to water anything every day. Um, and just make sure that You've chosen plants that are, you know, sun plants that love the sun for sunny spots, plants that can cope with some shade for the shadier spots, and recognize that not all plants need the same amount of water. So it's a bit of a you just water specifically the water-loving plants, like, say, a hydrangea. Uh-huh. Well, hydrangea you, loves water. Sorry, sorry uh, Charlie, if I interrupt you, please. Uh, I lo- uh, there's two hydrangeas. They're not dead. Mm-hmm. But they're not alive either. And one <laughs> thing that I lost, which is expensive to be asked to do, it's a golden cedar. 
Oh. Mm. And and it's it's dead. It's complete dead. Okay, so you'd be taking that back because hopefully you have a guarantee on it. Yes, that. yes, yeah. I do have a guarantee, um, yes. You but, know, you know to... it's demoralizing because, like I said, I, I spent all summer mm. put 120 feet of retaining wall, wow, put yeah. new soil, blah, blah, blah. And now next spring, obviously, you have to... Uh, so we don't put it... Because the guy, the guy at the nursery, Charlie, told mm. me, you know, he gave me, he, he gave me, he said, this is special... Uh, how do you call it? Um, special stuff mm-hmm. for for what I for what you, you bought. Oh yeah. Oh, what? So he gave you like a transplanter fertilizer, maybe? Yes. Okay. So you followed the directions on that, and you I used sure it did. as per directions. Okay, that that's fine. That that I won't hit you or slap you for. It's okay when you're first planting to use a transplanter fertilizer. Uh-huh. That's fine. Just beware of like the all purpose or the miracle grows. None of that the first year. No, um, I hardly use that stuff, Charlie, to be honest with you. Okay, and then one more question, yeah. John. When you pulled like the cedar, when you were planting this beautiful, expensive golden cedar, you pulled it out of the pot. What did it look like? Was it just a mass of roots or was there much in the way of roots in that root ball? Well, there was roots, but to, and, and the instruction tells you, Charlie, to, to um, how to call it, loosen the, the, the roots. Yes. It was like a hard ball, right? I couldn't sort of, uh, so that's, I, I, I was scared that I distorted because like I said, it's, it's expensive. Okay, so here's a tip. Okay. When you pull a cedar uh, or any plant out of a pot and it's a mass of really tightly wound, uh, very difficult to loosen roots, that's when you get out your butcher knife and you start slicing through those roots, making an X, the letter X on the outside of the root ball, all the way around, penetrating into the root ball by about a half an inch, even, uh-huh. even up to three quarters of an inch, depending on the size of the root ball. Then you loosen. Of course, you've you've hurt, damaged, cut some roots. It's okay. Get that into your hole. Plant at the right level. Soil around. Firm the soil. Water thoroughly. And your transplanter fertilizer will encourage new roots to grow out of that ball shape that they're in, the pot size. Because they're, uh-huh. they're stuck in that pot shape, right? You yeah, want to get them yeah. out of that pot shape. And um, and just know that that makes a big difference as well. Mm-hmm. Stimulating the root growth out into that brand new beautiful triple mix um, yeah. might have made a difference. Okay, okay, John. Hey, good to hear from you again, yeah. John. Oh, thanks here, thanks so, for giving us a ring. All right. And thanks very much. Our All pleasure. Right. Nice to hear have, from have you. Have a great weekend. And uh, here on The Garden Show, we go to Sharon, uh, just around the corner maybe, here in Toronto. Good morning, Sharon. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. And I am so glad to hear you back on the radio. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so glad. I've been try- I have been. don't have a computer, so um, um, I couldn't get through to you otherwise. Right. Okay. Um, what I'm calling for is um, about... Um, seeds, mm-hmm. uh, collecting seeds and that too for the winter and how to, um, hold them over. Um, I've heard you say about putting them in, uh, little, um, paper packages and whatever and mm-hmm. putting them in the freezer. This is mostly about a hibiscus. Uh, okay. What kind of hibiscus? A tropical hibiscus or? Well, I don't know. It comes up every year and it's just loaded. And, okay. And it's got the big, huge I, I don't flower. know. I don't know what color. I don't know what. You call it. Okay, but it's about a foot and a half tall with big, huge flowers? Or is it a shrub? Did I just lose Whoops, you? did we just lose? <laughs> oh, golly. Uh, Sharon, uh, did we just so lose you there? There are kinds of hibiscus. Yeah. Uh, we lost her. Okay, Drop so Sharon, okay. um, if it's a shrub, 
a hibiscus shrub is commonly called Rose of Sharon. Right. Rose of Sharon shrubs, very, very common, will not typically grow easily from seed, but I could look it up for you if you like. Depends whether it's a single flowered variety or double flowered variety. There's a lot of reasons why the Rose of Sharon, because they're cultivars and hybridized seeds don't breed true, we say. Um, now the perennial hibiscus, which grows up from the ground, overwinters underground, comes up, and they're blooming now. I don't know if you've yeah. seen any, Frank, but the flowers are, are head-sized. Yeah, they're yep. just huge. They are very gorgeous as well. So um, maybe you could call back and just clarify which hibiscus you're talking about. Because And then there's the tropical hibiscus, which is the one we bring inside for the winter. So which hibiscus are we talking about? And I'm happy to discuss or share with you best things to do. But it is the time for seed storing, seed saving now. So we are monitoring our gardens, looking at what's mm-hmm. going to seed, watching for dry weather, and being prepared with our little paper envelopes to knock seeds into the envelopes, being very careful to label the envelopes in terms of what we just put in there, and then putting them away for the winter in a cool, dry, dark location. doesn't have to be the freezer necessarily. It depends on what kind of seeds. Right. And I see uh, one of the callers waiting for us is our old friend Werner from Tilsonburg. We're going to just take a little bit of a break, come back, talk to Werner, but then go to some emails that we've got. we got uh, a lot uh, of catching we, up to oh do, you know, gosh, Frank. You know, people have loved wow. and sent many emails. <laughs> Exactly. So, Werner, you hold tight there, my friend. We'll be along to you very shortly here on The Garden Show. By the way, the phone number, if you'd like to reach out to Charlie for your question, is 1-866-740-4740. We'll be back in just a moment. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, let's head a little bit, uh, let's see, west from (laughs) Toronto all the way to Tilsonburg, Ontario. And there is Warner on the line. Good morning, Warner. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. You're both looking chipper. What kind (laughs) of pills are you on? (laughs) Lots of good sunshine. that's right. (laughs) How's things in your garden? Good. I just wanted to know... Why the tomatoes take so long to turn red? They're, they're, they're staying green forever. I hear you. I think, I hope there was no frost in my house last night. I, no. I must have 150 green tomatoes no right kidding, now. Hey. Oh, yeah. I think it's the leaves. I, oh, like, I started okay. taking leaves off about a month ago. Not too many, but just slowly exposing the tomatoes to the sun, ah. which will speed up that turning red that we need so badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I, I thought, well, it's time. You know, who knows when a frost is going to happen? So, like I say, fingers crossed, I still have green tomatoes to work on back at my place. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm, it was a good year. I'm so year. glad to see you guys on because I'm not that good with that uh, tablet. That's uh, okay. We're, we're back know, for all the people that love to talk on the phone. I, I've missed you. <laughs> I've missed you for we, the longest time. We missed you too, and your name came up yeah. many times. Yeah, I hear it. I'm always on. You know, I'm on every Saturday. Exactly. It's too bad you don't get royalties every time your uh, special recipe is mentioned. Well, I'm going to put a, a, a patent on it. You better. <laughs> there you exactly. Go. And okay. then that'll control us from sharing that recipe. Good for you. Thanks for calling in, Werner. And hey, listen, there's one for you, Frank. Ah, uh, bless your heart. Uh, sex after Saturday is like shooting pool with a rope. 
Okay. Okay. Oh, thank you very much for that. Yeah. Where's that dump button? Now? Yeah, exactly. No more special guest. When we see Warner. That's good. All right. <laughs> thanks Warner, for calling. Thanks. Okay. Let me take a look at a question we've had on the desk here for quite a while. An email from Cheryl Fotherby. Hi, Charlie and Frank. Uh, she says, my orchids, I only water when they're dry, just a quarter cup at a time. I fertilize with an orchid fertilizer every other watering, so about once a month. I have two orchids. The first is a smaller one, but after blooming, the stem was cut off. It has nice leaf growth, but no flowers. The roots, long, soft green stems, seem to be getting along quite long outside the flower pot, but there's no stem appearing to produce blooms. How can I get the thing to produce flowers again? All right, Cheryl, be patient. It will. If the, if the leaves are green and healthy, the roots sound green and healthy, be happy for those roots because those roots growing outside the pot are doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Um, the smaller orchid, I mean, I'm a pretty big fan of dunking orchids into a pail of room temperature yeah. water. It could even have a bit of orchid fertilizer in it um, as a real thorough way of thoroughly watering and then allowing that pot to drain and, you know, back into its eastern or northern window. So um, if you're not seeing any flowers right now, don't worry. I mean, the days are getting shorter. Many plants are naturally hunkering down for winter. You just... Uh, one of mine just suddenly started up a flower stem the other day, yeah. and I haven't fertilized my orchids, and I don't remember. So, um, yeah, just it, it, they, the flowers will uh, suddenly appear when you least expect it. And remember, that flower stem kind of looks like a root at first. That's right. Right. It comes out on this green. Confusing. Yeah, a green be. flower stem and a green root side by side. And you're, but the, the root has a bit of a silvery tip, a silvery uh, outer coating, whereas a flower stem is fully green. As soon as you see that flower stem as a fully green thing, get out. One of your little, um, well, you got little stakes often that come yep. with your orchids with the little clips, the green, the wire uh, stakes. Try, train that stem up because otherwise it's just going to go horizontal. Very good. Okay. okay. Another email here. This is from Jack Joseph. I have a question to ask you regarding, oh, here's something right up your alley, <laughs> grass planting. Mm-hmm. Earlier this summer, I had a tree replaced and bought some grass seed and topsoil to mix together. And I spread over where the tree used to be so that new grass would grow in its place. And he sent you a picture of this. I was wondering when would be the best time to do this in the fall, like November, when I'm done cutting the lawn and before the cold, snowy weather comes in or early next spring. Uh, before the warm weather arrives. In either case, would watering it daily help? Okay, great question, Jack Joseph, because you know what? This is the time right now, today, to get grass seed mm-hmm. on, to patch, <clears throat> excuse me, patch those patches. So what have we got going on for grass seed right now? We have warm soil, which you will not have in November and you will not have in April. So by taking that seed soil mixture that you've made, raking that in, getting good seed soil contact in your patchy areas or your thin areas of your lawn, ensuring that you've chosen the right grass seed as well, that it's, you know, high traffic grass seed or drought tolerant grass seed. There's many, many blends. Choose the right one. Get that seed soil contact, even very gently rake it just so everything uh-huh. kind of falls down between the existing grass. Um, 
and you lightly rake it because the birds will take the grass seed. So just, just, you don't want to bury the seed too deep and get your hose out right away. Should you water it every day? It depends how much sun it's getting. You do want to keep the seed moist. Once grass seed is moistened, you want to keep it moist, which is not the same as wet, just moist. You, sometimes you water it twice a day if it gets really hot and sunny, uh, which might happen next week by the looks of the forecast. So watering, um, keeping it moist, you should see grass seed germination at this time of year, seven to 10 days after planting it. Oh, wow. Whereas if you wait till November or April, November, the seed will just sit there all winter and come up in the spring. Right. Same with April. It'll just come up when conditions are right and it can take up to six weeks in the spring. So do it now. Okay. All righty. You've had your instructions. Away you go. <laughs> um, we're going to have one more email here, then we'll get back to our phone lines. Uh, and the phone number, once again, one 740 Like it lined up, we'll have a chat with Charlie. Meantime, uh, from Wayne in Victor, New York, he says, who stole the petunias? <laughs> Hello, Charlie and Frank. I enjoy listening to your show from across the big lake where you come in loud and clear most of the time. I have wave petunias planted in a whiskey barrel on my front porch. June and July brought an abundance of blooms. In August, the flowers have all but disappeared, although the plants look healthy and green. Similar plants in past years have all bloomed until the hard freeze. I water and remove deadheads as usual, but all I have is green plants. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Who stole the petunias? I know, I love it. So this is an email that I received on August 30th. So this is a couple of weeks ago. And I bet you if we had Wayne in the room right now with us, he would say, take back that email. It's it's not true. Ah. Because what happens, and we don't always think about it, but, you know, plants are living things, right? When it gets really cold, plants can't grow. So they, they hunker down, they go dormant, they, they wait till conditions are better. It's exactly the same when it gets really hot. They can't grow. It's too hot. So they hunker down and they wait until conditions are more optimal. With the petunias, even though petunias love the heat, that was a lot of heat. That was a lot of dry, sunny, Mm. high temperatures here in Ontario. And I can't imagine that in Victor, New York, it was any cooler than it was here in, in southern Ontario. So I would assume that what happened is the petunias just said, okay, we're going to just, you know, whatever buds were on the plants when the heat wave started opened, but no new buds formed. So the, eventually you get green plants. Then the, the heat starts to dissipate, more buds form. And before you know it, you're back in business with lots of flowers. So um, that's that's my analysis of what happened with uh, with Wayne's petunias. Nobody stole them. They just responded to the extreme temperatures. And and Wayne, seriously, uh, send me another email. Let me know if if I'm wrong and that you know they didn't come back. But I'd be really surprised if they're not covered in blooms right now. Alrighty. Uh, now we're pretty exciting day for Charlie and I back in the studio live for the first time. It's almost well, yeah, six months. For God's six sake. months plus. Yeah. And so we're delighted to uh, go to Hanover, Ontario, where. Aiton is uh, listening in. Good morning, Aiton. Oh, hi. Um, actually, it's Barb. Um, oh, that's yeah, the name sorry. of the town is Aiton. But uh, welcome back, uh, Charlie and Frank. Um, I have a friend that has a huge uh, coleus plant, and she was wanting to keep it over. Mm-hmm. Um, can you uh, leave it like, or should you take cuttings? Cuttings. Or It'll be way. It in is it light in light or darker? Sorry, is it in a pot right now? Yeah. Okay, well, how big a pot when you say huge? Like huge plant, but how big a pot? Oh, probably a, a, a 14 inch pot. Right, which pot. is a really big pot to start moving around into the house. 
I mean, you could do that as a backup plan, but today I would take cuttings of that coleus. Oh, okay. So you're going to remove any flowers that are on the tips. So Uh eliminate the flowers. Then take tip cuttings that are four to six inches long. Okay. And the cool thing about coleus is they do root very easily, even just in a in a glass of water. But you will have to do that first. Yeah. So the four to six inch cuttings. So those are tip, what we call tip stem cuttings. Uh huh. uh, Clean, nice, sharp scissors, cut those off, take as many as you want, 6, 8, 10, 12 cuttings, remove the lower leaves, the leaves are opposite, so you're going to take off four leaves, and where the leaves come off, and you're going to be careful, you're going to use your scissors, take those leaves off, where the leaves were is where roots are going to grow from. So, oh, okay. So those, those, like, four little bumps that you've left on the stem need to be immersed underwater, and within a week or so, you should have some roots growing. Then it's little pots with fresh potting soil and pot them up. Oh, okay. But it, like, the, the actual plant itself would just get kind of leggy looking in that? Uh, it's possible to bring a coleus in. However, uh, number one, I imagine it's big and heavy to start working with, but assuming you had, you know, seven strong men to bring that into the house, I would not, you can't make it go dormant. You need lots of sun. So oh, you've got to provide like a patio window, a patio door. You need a bright spot. You need to try and imitate the, the conditions that it had all summer. Okay. So sun, okay. water as necessary. Be careful to not overwater. And don't be afraid <clears throat> with coleus to cut it back. The more you take the tips off of a coleus plant, the bushier it gets. And the better the form, the better the shape, the, the better it looks. So, oh, okay. you know, you can shear the whole thing as, as part of this bringing it in. You could cut it back as well. I would also do a soap and water wash before I bring it in to the plant and through the soil just to try and say goodbye to the spiders and whoever might be riding on the plant as it comes into the house. Okay. What, like what kind of soap? Just uh, uh, like real soap, not detergent. Whatever soap you can get. Could be ivory soap. Could be safer like soap. Like dishwashing soap. Mm, just make sure it's not detergent. So read the whatever you're buying. Like if you look at palm olive, it's going to say detergent right on it. So oh. whatever you're buying, make sure it says soap. But traditionally, ivory is a soap. Not always. Make sure. A lot of the new green products are pure soaps uh, or safer soap, which is designed as an insecticidal soap. Well, that's probably the best one to head for. Yeah, probably. Okay. All right. Okay, Barb? Okay. Good luck so with much. that. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for joining us here on a good-looking Saturday morning here in Toronto, 19th of September. Wow, that time is ripping by. Uh, Wilma, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm, yeah, go ahead. Uh, good morning, everybody. It's so good to hear, be able to phone again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with some of those other ones. I don't have email. Uh, there you go. <laughs> anyway, Charlie, I have a um, hosta. Uh-huh. I want to move. Okay. Um, and where it's sitting now, it seems to be very... Uh, holy. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of holes in it. Yeah. Now, it's not, it's been there probably two to three years, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And every year it seems to get a lot of holes in it at, at, by this time of the year. Yeah. And where I want to move it, it will have probably some more, more shade than it gets now. Mm-hmm. But I wondered if I could, do a total wash of the roots and no. the 
and the soil as I move it. You don't need to do that, Wilma. Um, Okay, the hosta that you are looking to move, is it a green and white hosta? Yes, it is. It's it's almost to the gold color. Oh, nice. Okay, so... As I'm sure you know, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of different kinds of hostas out there. Yes. Some yes. are more yes. edible than others. The thinner the leaves, the more edible the hosta. And the one you probably have is probably something called Albo marginata. And it is particularly tasty. Slugs and snails will take little bites out of it. So it ends <laughs> up looking like Swiss cheese, really. Yes. And, yes. and this has been a dry year. So this has been a year where we've had few, the population of slugs and snails is very low compared to some of our more moist years. Mm-hmm. So two things I would suggest. One is if you love that hosta enough and you still want to keep it, then cut the leaves off, prepare where you're going, make sure you're putting it into a well-drained but really fertile soil. Get some composted manure. Make sure it's a quality soil, not some old, tired, dusty stuff that's called soil. Make sure it's it's a good, fertile, well-drained spot. You're going to dig up that hosta, pop it into its new home, water it thoroughly, and next spring and every sort of rainfall from now on, you're going to go out after the rain and you're going to sprinkle something called slug and snail pellets around that hosta and that will eliminate those pests from eating the plant. Or compost through your current hosta, get a new hosta and get one that's got a much thicker leaf and a much less edible leaf and you won't have the, the holes. Okay. 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 Well, and and that's it. I have I have just transplanted. I have bought very few of my hostas. Actually, yeah, they yeah. were here when we came here, and I've just split them up and moved them yeah, around. Good. Yeah. Uh, and I know that some of them are fine, mm-hmm. don't have any holes, mm-hmm. and the next one will be um, half eaten type. Exactly, thing. So, and that's what you learn. Um, yeah, with having many like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, what did you call that? There is. Uh, it's called slug and snail bait. Slug and snail bait. So B A I T, and that is made by Scots. It is. They are little pellets. Follow the instructions. The it, the nice thing about these pellets is that they will not harm anything but mollusks, and mollusks are your slugs and snails. So they eat them, they think they're pretty yummy, and then it is a stomach poison, and they don't die immediately. They will uh, trail off, you know, with their little slimy trail, off into some corner of your garden and die, so you'll never see their dead bodies. So it's uh, it's quite, uh, it's a good, it's a quite effective uh, stomach poison for slugs good and snails. Product, yeah. I could have had some in my bathroom last night then, because <laughs> I had brought my uh, hospital is in a um, couple days ago, and last night I went into the bathroom, and there are two lovely, good growth-sized snails crawling across the top of the bathtub oh that had come out of the there hostas. You, there you go. <laughs> You, you paint quite a picture there. Yeah, so you just <laughs> threw them outside, well, I assume. I yeah. me when I first saw them. Where did those grubs come <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Wilma. Uh, good luck with all of that. Yeah, you got pet snails. You know, yes, you, know, yes, well, yeah. you can train them. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> all right, have, your show. have a great weekend. Thank Thanks you. for joining us. And with that in mind, uh, I look up and, you know, our call board is uh, almost bare. So we've got emails we're going to be dealing with as well. But it, this would be a perfect time if you've been trying to reach charlie but over these last six months of course we haven't been here to take phone calls obviously folks are not used to that and uh we we'd want to have you 
uh, get to that phone and give Charlie a call with your questions regarding. Here's the number again, one 740 That's one 740 Four seven forty, and if you want to send Charlie an email, by all means, for possibly next week, it's c dot dobbin at mzmedia.com. And we'll be back in just a moment to deal with an email from Jonathan Stein. A really nice note that uh, Jonathan sent us back in just a moment. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Okie dokie, here we go to uh, an email, then we'll back to those phone lines uh, here on Zoomer Radio. Mm-hmm. This from Jonathan Stein. Hi, Charlie and Frank. Thank you both for an incredibly entertaining and informative show. Well, isn't that nice? Yeah. She says, I've learned so much from you, Charlie. I have a question about my jade plant. I live in Zone 6 in the suburb of Boston, Massachusetts. My jade plant that I have now for about 13 years spends the summer on my sunny deck and the winter in the kitchen by a sliding door. The plant's in an azalea pot measuring about 12 inches wide and 18, pardon me, 8 inches high. The plant is about 3 feet in width and 3 feet from the uh, top of the soil line to the bottom of the plant. It's big, in other words. The plant has done very well over the years and flowers beautifully for me every fall. Usually by this time of year, the jade plant has filled in quite a bit. But this year, there seems there is some new growth but it looks a bit thin. I know jade plants like to be pot-bound, but I'm wondering if it needs to be repotted into a larger pot. Last time I repotted the plant was four to five years ago. If it needs to be repotted, what size pot would you recommend? From Jonathan Stein. Great question. And boy, Jonathan sounds like quite the good jade plant grower. I'll tell you. Not everybody can get a jade plant to flower, particularly annually. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it really needs the right conditions. It needs the right watering, the right nutrients, the right amount of sun to flower. So good for you. Um, so Jonathan, you're right. I mean, we do often leave jade plants pot bound because by keeping a plant in a pot that's really got full of roots and not a lot of soil, two things happen. One is we we rarely will have waterlogged soil Mm -hmm. because there's not that much soil to waterlog. And number two, it keeps the plant smaller. So it's a way of dwarfing our plants is keeping them in pots that... Uh, are full of roots. And um, with a jade plant, you're, you're never going to be in a situation where you, you've killed the plant from lack of water. It's more likely the opposite. What I would do though, because every four to five years is as long as you would want to go between repottings. So I would repot that plant. I personally would go into a terracotta pot or mm-hmm. a pot that has extremely good drainage. What I love about the terracotta, of course, is you've got all that ability for uh, moisture to be evaporated off the sides of the pot. So, and it, they're very bottom heavy. Jades tend to be very top heavy with all that growth and little root systems. So it just helps keep them very stable to have them in a heavy pot. So terracotta pot with obviously drainage holes in the bottom. I always put rocks over those drainage holes because they're big holes and your soil is going to go out the holes. Now with your soil, you're going to choose a regular grower's mix or a, you know, regular soil potting soil for a jade could work, but I'd be inclined to 
up your ante a bit with the drainage. So I'd be inclined to add some sand or buy cactus soil if you can find oh. such a thing in your stores. Even adding something like perlite to a regular all-purpose potting mix will help with drainage. So you just want to make sure you've got really good drainage, or even a grit. Like there's certain ways to kind of get that really supreme drainage. Do the repotting. And of course, when you take the the plant out of its current pot, ensure that you do loosen the roots if they're all in a spiral inside and a, the shape of the, the azalea pot you're currently in, because you want to get them out of that shape, mm-hmm. get them growing out of the, the spiral they might be in. And uh, once you've got it pot- potted up, the, the, the experts say that you normally when we re- repot or re- plant anything, we water right away. But with jades, the idea is wait a week before you do that first watering. So you're going to go into a moist soil. You always moisten these dry, dry soils, but uh, don't water right away. So let it settle in for a week or so and then give it a thorough watering and keep up all the, the conditions you've been giving it because it should be flowering like, you know, just as it has in the past by this time next year. Very good. Okay. On the line is June from Toronto. Good morning, June. Welcome to the show. Hi, June. June, are you there? Are you there? No. Oh, I heard a click. Oh, dear. Okay. Well, let's take the next caller in line. Oh, there she is. Oh, wait a minute. Hi, June. Hi, dear. How are you? Welcome back, both of you. Thank Thank you. you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. What's going on? Well, (laughs) you mean apart from squirrels? (laughs) Squirrels in Toronto. I have a load of black walnuts. Trees. Oh, yeah. Yes. Wonderful things. Obviously brought in by my four-legged friends. (laughs) I have one tree that has grown like a maniac this summer. I have to get rid of it. It's absolutely loaded. Oh, wow. But the roots are going in to my septic bed. Oh, Hmm. And you're in Toronto with a septic bed? No, I'm in Dunville. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Dunville. Okay, we have Toronto down there for some reason. <clears throat> right. So you definitely need to get, you need to deal with that. You do not want any tree roots getting into your septic bed because nothing slows down a septic bed and causes all kinds of expensive construction and excavation issues in the future than trees with roots. Yeah, because the the roots grow where the moisture is, right? They're going to find the moisture. So weeping willow is another example. Oh yeah, never want those anywhere near your septic. So um, that's no, they're not built. Believe you me. Yeah, what I would be doing in your area now. I don't off the top of my head. Nobody's coming to mind. Do you have access to a computer? Or do you, like, you probably know people in the neighborhood. Yeah, Dunville's not yeah, that big yeah, a place. Neighbor. Just um, ask your neighbors if anybody can recommend. If you want to take the trees right out and it's really just a cut down the walnuts, then it's just a person with a chainsaw is what you need. Okay. If it's more a case of, I need one or two taken out, but I need a couple of the other ones either thinned or, or pruned or shaped. Because, you, know, you know, a black walnut out. is a beautiful tree. Because uh, they seem to have gone up. Oh, wait, we haven't had any rain this year, uh-huh. by the way. Very, very little. Uh-huh. We're on the north shore of Lake Erie. And um, not only did they plant one, two, three, four. <laughs> the squirrels, oh, eh? little devils. Yes. <laughs> well, they, they are different they, from 
they, but they weren't really trying to give you trees. They were putting away food for the winter, and then they couldn't remember where they put it. <laughs> I don't want their food. <laughs> so you know what? You have to be sharp in the spring. Because remember, they would have buried those walnuts, not this year, but last year or the year before or the year before. Like the, This is something where they're burying in September, October. And then not finding. So you're going to have to watch in the spring for anything coming up in your lawn or places you don't want walnuts. Very distinctive leaves. Like you'll definitely recognize what they are and pull them out when they're young so you don't have to get a chainsaw to bring them out. Thank you very but, much, June. We we kind of have to move along. We're yeah. coming up to our okay. final segment, but bless your heart for calling Good in. Good luck with us. Yeah. Uh, here on a Saturday morning in 19th of September, it's the Garden Show on the air live for the first time to take phone calls in six months. So it's delightful to touch bases with the folks. Folks. We'll be back to say hi to Patricia in just moments here on Zuma Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, Charlie, uh, we're going to uh, say hi now to Patricia calling into The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning. It's so good to hear uh, both of you, uh, your voices again on thank, the radio. Thank you. Um, I just have a quick question with regards to nematode application. Is it too late to apply it now? I know that you normally suggest the month of August mm-hmm. to do that. No, because if you have grubs in your lawn, which would be a little bit bigger now in September than they would have been, say, in Mm mid-August, then these nematodes will still work. Oh, will they? But keep in mind that the super dry, hot summer we just had may have postponed the egg hatching of the grubs in the first place, Mm -hmm. so that they might it might be optimal now. Yeah, we never really know. I mean, truly, truly optimal time to apply nematodes is number one when you've started to see some damage or you're quite confident you do have grubs in your lawn. And the soil is nice and moist. So the moisture problem is going to be your biggest one. You're going to need to water your lawn or wherever you're planning to apply the nematodes very thoroughly in advance. So it's a nice moist soil because the nematodes need water to travel between the particles of the soil to get down to where the grubs are. Okay, so you uh, apply water before you uh, put the nematode uh, um process and then you water after Again, as well. exactly. So, you know, I'd give, if, um, say, you said to yourself, I want to apply my nematodes tomorrow, mm-hmm. then I'd be putting a sprinkler or um, some water in the area where you need to get the nematodes applied mm-hmm. for, you know, it's like a slow, like a sprinkler's nice because it's kind of a slow mm-hmm. water. Mm-hmm. Roughly, it's about an inch of water you want to get out on that area. An empty tuna fish can, uh, the sprinkler, and just monitor the water filling up in the can till you've got about an inch. 12 hours later, so so again, wait for gravity, wait for percolation of moisture down. So mm-hmm. the next morning, afternoon, get your nematodes going. Oh, so you can do it the day before? Water, yes. Oh, okay. Better to do it the day before. You'll get better, more thorough saturation of the soil <laughs> if it's got hours to for the water to move. Okay, good. Okay. All right, I appreciate that. You're very welcome. Yeah, yeah, good luck with that. It's, uh, um, yeah, haven't seen a lot, I haven't heard a lot about grub issues with the emails we've been getting, but, you know, they're always there. The June beetles were way out of control this summer, so (laughs) there's got to be lots of baby grubs, baby June beetles. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's little uh, holes in in my back lawn where somebody's been having a little midnight feast, I think. (laughs) So, uh, birds will do it, like birds will pull them out, and 
skunks and raccoons tend to make a bit of a mess, but they'll definitely pull them out, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, Patricia. Okay, thanks very much. Thanks for Charlie. calling. Ha- have a good weekend. Thank you for joining us here on The Garden Show. Um, One I, more email. What do you yeah, think? All right, yeah. MJ Harnack. Um, subject, where are the monarchs? Mm-hmm. To answer your listeners' query as to where are the monarchs, they're at my place. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, a picture that uh, sent along shows monarchs on my zinnias, which are next to the butterfly bush, which is out of frame. I have tons of monarchs this year, having appeared in the, uh, uh, let's see, past few weeks since the uh, butterfly bush bloomed. I'm guessing these are the last generation in season that are bulking up before they pack their sacks and head to Mexico. Haven't seen this many in years. Uh, I've had that butterfly bush for many years, however, which is different this year that I, I planted a host of zinnia and bee balm that I started from seed I'd harvested from last year. Now, the bee balm are constantly swarming with all manner of different species of bees, but the monarchs don't land on them, I believe because they aren't a big enough landing pad for them. However, I wonder if the monarchs follow the bees. Perhaps the insects have their own form of internet. <laughs> I also have a lot of milkweed, but have never seen the monarch eggs on them. They're far from these zinnias, however, so I planted some closer, hoping I'll have some to observe with my grandkids next year. Love your show, including your opening music song. (laughs) Good stuff. Thank you, MJ. Yeah, thank you, MJ, and thanks for that update. And, you know, she mentioned some really good plants for attracting Mm -hmm. both bees and butterflies. So pollinators in general, that is a trend. We're doing everything in our power in our gardens to support the pollinator population right from early spring, right through till late fall, and we never really know what month that is, right? Every every season's a new season. So bee balm, proper name is Monarda. Of course, butterfly bush, proper name is Budleyi. Mm-hmm. Zinnias, we all know and love our zinnias and annual flowers that uh, bloom all summer. And she's right about butterflies like a landing pad. They like a, a solid flower faced up to the sun and they can come in and just land on it and then use their little tongues to get some of the nectar out of those, those plants. So good for you. Good choices. And yeah, I hope indeed this all works great for the grandkids next year. Exactly. We've just a little bit of time left here to chat, and I mm-hmm. wanted to find out how things are going on the new property there in Prince Edward County. You sent me some um, videos, actually, of the huge earth-moving machines pushing stuff around. Boy, oh boy. I know. I've done I, the I, number. Uh, yeah. So follow me on Instagram. I have been shooting all kinds of videos that are going up there. So charlie.dobbin on Instagram. And um, yeah, so the latest update, of course, last time we talked, the trees had all gone yep. in. I was still working on my gardens that are my foundation gardens up against the house. So front, side, and back. I've I'm got two of them, two out of three planted. The third one, the plants are I'm still fiddling yeah. before I know where they're going to get planted. And um, yeah, it's a lawn is in, seeds have been planted, praying for rain. So I'm going home to work on my rain dance. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been a delight, Charlie, seeing yeah. you again. And. Uh, it's been we, great. Look at you in pink. Come I know. on. You look well, great in pink. you got to do wear well, that more well, often. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Because, <laughs> you know, when we were on the phone, I never knew which we're wearing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mostly my PJs, I think. I know. was going to say, yeah. missing my sweatpants already. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Carlos. Yeah. Thanks, Carlos. And thanks to Joel. We couldn't have done the last six months without Joel's support. So a big shout out to him. Thanks, Frank. Nice to see you. And Good great to see, you. To see, all, see, see and hear our callers. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.